right, welcome to church. I realize I didn't introduce myself to those of you who are new. I'm Daniel Grothy, pastor here at Friday night, and I'm thrilled you're here. Thanks for coming to worship with us. A fun report uh, at the end of the year here, December, uh, just reflecting back, and we've just recently baptized folks a, a few weeks back, and we were counting in the last two years And in the last two years, we have baptized over 700 people. And the book of Acts says, as the early church was getting started, people were getting saved right and left. And it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And if you do two years, divide, you know, 700 plus days, we're about averaging one a day that has been baptized in the last two years. The Spirit is moving, drawing people in, and so we celebrate what God has done. That was a very tepid, oh, nice golf clap. Thank you. Can we praise the Lord for what he's doing? Come on, man. I come from Tulsa, Pentecostal charismatic. Y'all better talk to me tonight. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 11. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, it'll be on the screen. Uh, But if you have your Bibles, Isaiah 11, what I'll do is I'll read the first 10 verses of Isaiah 11, and then we'll pray. Here we are in, we were off last week, so this is week one of our Advent series, Building Toward Christmas. And so this is an Advent uh, sermon, a sermon reflecting on this moment of the Christian year that we're in, heading toward Christmas, the arrival of the Son of God. So hear the word of the Lord out of Isaiah chapter 11. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on this one that comes up from the stump of Jesse. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he, this one, will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, this one that's coming, will judge the needy. And with justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist and the wolf, will live with the lamb. This one who is coming is going to heal the world so that the wolf will end up living with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. Typically that doesn't happen. I don't know if you've seen Discovery Channel. Uh, But when this one comes, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear and their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest and everything's gonna be fine. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, the root of Jesse, the root, of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples and the nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray, Lord, we need you to do it again. We need you to speak. 
When you speak, the world moves. When you speak, the dead are raised. When you speak, darkness trembles. When you speak, the the demons flee. When you speak, people who are uh, in chaos come back into their right mind. When you speak, the world responds. And here we are tonight. It's Friday. It's the end of the week. And we have heard so many things, and we need to hear from the one who was and is and is to come. And so we say, silence all the other noise, and speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We pray, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We pray tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. There's something about being in the presence of a good storyteller. Have you ever had a a good storyteller in your family. My, my grandpa was a storyteller. He could just hold the room and he kind of dry and kind of that deadpan approach and he didn't act like he was, he just was telling And all of a sudden he'd set the hook and the punchline came and the room would just lose itself in laughter. Have you ever been around a good storyteller that enraptures your attention? And A good storyteller knows how to develop images and motifs throughout a story. And tonight, right here in Isaiah chapter 11, we find one of the most frequent images in the Bible, and it's the image of a tree. In fact, other than God and people, this is an interesting fact, other than God and people, trees are mentioned more than any other living thing in the Bible. Pretty interesting. You you, you turn to Genesis 1, tree. You keep reading and Adam and Eve are tempted at the tree. And the story went south at the tree, right? And Noah, what is he? He builds an ark from trees and and the bird then carried back an olive branch from a tree to say it's peaceful, it's okay, the water has receded, we can go on about our lives. Trees are everywhere. Virtually every other page in the Bible you can find a tree. Abraham, he's sitting under the oaks of Mamre when God promised him Isaac. He's, he's there, he's napping, he's by himself, minding his own business, and he had been trying to keep his family's story going, him and Sarai, and he couldn't, and God comes to him under a tree and says, we're gonna take care of this. You'll have a son. Moses was called at a burning bush, a little shrub out there in the, the, the wilderness out by Midian, and Moses Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. That happened at a little tree. Psalm 1 says that the righteous folks, us, the saints, we become like trees planted by streams of living water that bear fruit in every season and their leaf never withers and whatever they touch, they're like trees that prosper. That's the righteous. We're, we're, We're imaged as these trees that bear fruit and Revelation 22, the very last chapter in the Bible pictures the tree of life in the new Jerusalem, new heavens, new earth, and the tree of life is right on the water there, and, and, and its, its branches bear fruit, and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. The Bible opens with the story of a tree. The Bible ends with the story of a tree with all things restored, and right in the middle, there's this important guy who hung on a tree. One of the greatest joys of my life is my children. You want me to answer? I'll talk to them. I'm, uh, I've always wanted to do that. Hello? <laughs> One of the greatest joys of my life. I'm sorry, whoever I just embarrassed. I, my, I didn't mean to do that. One of the greatest joys of my life is hearing my kids. We've got some golden willows at our place. Big 
hulking trees and a creek that runs through and they, they go into this and there's, every once in a while there's deer in there or there's elk that come through every once. It's, it's just so much fun. And the boys will go out and they, they think they're Bear Grylls meets Jesus. And they're, they're out there just, you know, exploring and hunting and chasing. And, and uh, Wilson, our, our boy, his 13th birthday, had some friends from uh, school and church over. And it was, they were playing capture the flag in the trees. And it was dark at night. And all of a sudden, Wilson hears this noise behind him. And he thinks it's someone trying to get the flag that he's guarding. And he turns around and it's a raccoon. And the raccoon runs up the tree and Wilson whistles for Uncle David and Uncle David brings his 22 over and Wilson on his 13th birthday shoots this raccoon and it falls down into the creek and everyone loses their mind. Some of you are gonna call the Department of Wildlife on us or something. But that was perfectly legal. We didn't break any rules and he made a memory that he will never forget. There's something about being in the trees that brings you back to life. Actually, scientists have done studies among people who live around and among the trees and how the trees actually have this electromagnetic field. They're sending out, I don't know how all this works, I'm not a scientist, but they're sending out life and these people who live among the trees very often live to be very old because they're getting all the oxygen and life from the trees. There's something about trees. But tonight in this text, Isaiah's prophecy It takes a strange turn. The tree has been cut down. There's this stump. There's this root. Isaiah 11, out of the root of Jesse, the stump of Jesse, a shoot will spring up. There has been a judgment. There has been a desolation. There has been a loss. There has been a cutting away. There has been a death. The tree has been cut down, the stump of Jesse. Now, Jesse is the father of David, David who would go on to become Israel's greatest king, right? And God had promised to David, a man after his own heart, that your throne will always have someone sitting on it and I will bring salvation into the world. And here we are, David's dynasty, the people of Israel. You you go a couple hundred years down the line and the eagle-eyed prophet Isaiah So David's 1000 BC and Isaiah's prophesying in the mid 750s, probably 730 BC. And he says that that great dynasty, the the, the great tree, the great majestic thing that God had promised, Isaiah sees that the thing has been cut down. The people of Israel had been unfaithful. Israel and Judah had created idols. They had walked away from Yahweh, just like their forebears, Adam and Eve in the garden. These people tried to take the story into their own hands, and they grabbed the, the fruit, and the tree gets cut down, the stump of Jesse. What you're meant to see when you read Isaiah 11 is desolation. It's the end of a story. When the tree gets cut down, there's nothing left but firewood. And Isaiah says, actually, God is creative enough that out of that root, out of that stump, out of that desolation, out of that nothingness, a little shoot is going to come up. God is going to change the story. Right here, though, we see a picture of judgment. The end result of our sin, cut off, reduced to nothing. Israel had long been lured away by the seducing forces of sin. And in this text and in this moment, we see that Israel has been cut down. It's a sort of divine deforestation. God is going to trim back these people who have gotten out of hand. There's a divine deforestation. Has anyone ever felt like your life has been reduced to a stump? Have you ever been cut down? 
Have you ever been trimmed back? Have you ever, have you ever felt like something that once was flourishing and abundant and there was life and there was playfulness and there was childlikeness and there was so much goodness and so, have you ever felt like that thing was just lopped off? Like, it, where did that go? Has anyone ever felt reduced? The forces of life, the, the attack of the devil, our own stupidity. Have you ever felt like your life has been cut back? That's what this text wants us to enter into and to feel at the depths of our being. And the question that I want to ask is what happens when we finally come to the end of ourselves? And this text tonight tells us two things that I want us to see tonight and consider. The first, what happens when we come to the end of ourselves? Two simple statements. The first statement is that life wins. It's the strangest thing. A stump cut back down to the root like the... It used to be something, and it's gone, but then Isaiah says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots, a branch. It, you can't bear fruit anymore. We used to have the chance for fruit because there was a tree there, but now Isaiah quit leading us on. That thing is gone, and Isaiah said, no, it's not. With the God of life, that thing is never gone. With the God of life, deforestation doesn't mean unfruitfulness for the rest of your lives. It's a moment, it's a moment, and we've all been in that moment. But Isaiah says that life will finally win with the God of life. And this is what we read about in the Gospels. This is what I love about the Advent stories that we read at this time of year. There's just life breaking out. There's, there's two baby stories that I want you to see. The first baby story is God gives a baby to a barren woman who spent decades trying. Elizabeth. Old Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they couldn't get, they, they just moved on. It wasn't working anymore until God says, I am the God of life, and you, there will be fruit from this life. John the Baptist breaks into the story. A woman who had been trying for decades and who couldn't, and, and her husband who couldn't, God says, I can and I will, and here's your baby. There's life breaking out. Life wins in the Advent story. The second baby story is God gives a baby to a teenage virgin who wasn't trying at all. You got an old woman, decades, God, just, God, would you please, and her husband, and they finally just mailed it in, and they, they could, their bodies weren't even able to, and all of a sudden, boom, John the Baptist, and then there's this teenage girl kind of on the outskirts of the society, the patriarchal world she was living in, and she wasn't trying at all, and God says, I am the God of life, and life Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ child comes. The Holy Spirit comes upon Mary and you will be great with child and your child will save God's people from their sins. And he is to be named Jesus, the Messiah. Yeshua, the one who was and is and is to come. And he's gonna get this story back on track because wherever there is a divine deforestation, God will not leave the story there because a shoot will come up from the root of Jesse and there will finally be life. The baby grows and goes out, and wherever he goes, the world starts waking up again. This, this, this Christ child, and the elders when he's 12, they're paying attention to him, and they're who is this one, this 12-year-old boy with wisdom? And Jesus, at 30 years old, goes out and prays and fasts for 40 days, and he comes up in the power of the Spirit, and everywhere he goes, the blind see, and the lame walk, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel. Everywhere this child goes, life breaks out, because even when the story has been cut down, God is the God of life, and there will be a shoot that comes up from the root, and life 
will win. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's a thrill of hope and the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks that new and glorious morn. Like Jesus embodies these hymns and carols that we sing. For the lepers and the widows and the women with the issue of blood, for Mary and Martha who'd lost their dear brother Lazarus, Jesus, what does he do? He steps to that place. The, the, the story had been cut down and Jesus walks up to that grave and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Life wins with the God of life. And even the death of this Christ child, they, they, they were so uncomfortable with who this one was. He, he, he had unsettled them for 33 years and finally Rome was done with it and finally the religious leaders of, of Jerusalem were done with it and they string him up on a cross outside of Jerusalem on a Friday night. It was a dark Friday night and there was death and destruction and, and, and isn't it interesting that they crucified the Son of God on a tree that they had cut down? You see the resonances here in Isaiah 11? A shoot, like the tree is gone, but there's going to be life that springs up from that stump. And they hang Jesus up on an old rugged cross that they had destroyed a tree so that they could destroy his life. And, And on Sunday morning, life wins. A shoot comes up from that brokenness. And I I just did a funeral a couple weeks ago, and this is something that I do that, that like the heartbreak of watching. Life come to an end and, and weeping with those that weep. And, and some of you have been in those hospital rooms and some of you have been in those front rows at funerals. No, it's, it's an unenviable situation. No one ever signs up for that. And yet we find ourselves in those spots. And, and, and what you do is you enter into the weeping and you enter into the lament and you enter into the pain and the heartache. But I would, be, I would not be worth my salt as a pastor. I, it would be vocational malpractice if at every funeral at some point I did not stand up and say, yes, yes, but a shoot will come up from the root, and the God of life will finally have his way. And in that great day of the Lord when the eastern sky is split and Jesus comes in riding on a white horse and the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first and we who are left and remaining will be caught up to meet them with the Lord in the air and so comfort one another with these words. I tell them about Sunday morning after the Good good Friday, that dark Good Friday night and, and Holy Saturday where death looked like it was the end of the story. Sunday morning was this statement once and for all that if God will raise his son up, God will raise up the world because the God of life with him, life wins. Can you say amen tonight, church? Isaiah chapter 11 in this Advent text wants us to remember the truest thing about our stories that a shoot will come up from the stump. Life will win. It's the first thing. The second thing, the good news that Isaiah gives us after the divine deforestation, after, after we've been trimmed back, after those moments where it feels like life has been cut away from us, yes, life will win, but the second thing that I want you to see is that holiness returns. The human story began in keeping faith with God. There was a covenantal camaraderie. There was a symbiosis between God and his creation, and Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day, But the enemy seduced them. The enemy drugged them away. The enemy dangled the carrot. The enemy said, actually, God's holding out on you. And he tricks them into rebellion. And with the rebellion, we all know that sin infects the world. And it gets into all of our bloodstream. 
that waywardness and that rebellion. And we all have a little bit of Adam and Eve, the first Adam and Eve in us. But Isaiah saw a new kind of human, a new kind of leader, a new kind of king coming. Not the first Adam, but Isaiah, Isaiah with the eyes of faith could imagine a second Adam, the true Adam, the final Adam, the Adam that would get the story back on track. And he said, the spirit of the Lord will rest on the one that springs up from the root of Jesse. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he, this one, he will delight in the fear of of the Lord. Now we all know if you've been around kids there's a difference between delighting and tolerating. <laughs> Our kids tolerate most of the vegetables we put in front of them. And and they just make us pay for every bit of it, right? Ah, like we're some like we're abusing them by asking them to eat like one little bite of lettuce. Like shut up. Just eat the food. Like, this is good for you. But, you know, there's a different, they tolerate and they make us think, it's dramatic and you make them sit at the table longer and you go clean up and they're still sitting there pouting. We all know what tolerating looks like. We all also have seen what delight can be like. And Isaiah says that this one that is coming, he, he, will, he will be filled with the spirit and he will delight in the fear the Lord. He will delight in obeying. He will delight in following Yahweh. He will delight in covenantal camaraderie. He will delight in that spirit symbiosis. He will be the one who loves being locked in with God. Big difference between delighting and tolerating. And we see Jesus in 40 days of wilderness fasting and he was tempted. And he says in that moment to the devil three times, it is written, it is written, it is written, why? Because Jesus had delighted in the word. He had delighted in the, the scriptures. He had memorized Psalm 119. Oh, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Isn't it interesting that the very word of God himself loved the word? <laughs> it is written, Satan, get thee behind me. Man shall not live by bread alone. He's quoting out of the Old Testament and he's rebuking the devil with delight in the word of God. What I want you to see is that Jesus had fallen in love with the word of God before the temptation so that obedience to it was natural in the middle of temptation. You see this? Like if you try to fall in love when the temptation comes, if you try to, you know what, I should really press into the presence of God right now, it's, it's too late, you're doomed. If you delight in the fear of the Lord beforehand, when the enemy comes, you'll be able to rebuke him and send him away because you've done the work on the front end to delight so that when the temptation comes, you can cast it away in the name of Jesus. And Jesus had done the work to fall in love with the scriptures, with the word of God before the temptation so that when the temptation came, he could say no it was natural to reject it in the middle of temptation. Friends, I want you to see tonight that Jesus has come to restore holiness. He's come to restore delight in the fear of God. He's come to restore that kind of innocence and purity in us so that we would press back into God. Yes, life will win, but when, when God does his work of trimming us back and he invites us by his spirit into this process whereby holiness returns and we begin to be humble again and we begin to repent again we begin to seek God again and Jesus goes out one of my favorite stories in Luke 19 it's this wee little man right what's his name some of you grew up in church Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he 
right? And he climbed up in what? A sycamore tree, right? He, trees everywhere in the Bible. And Jesus is going out, and, and the, the God of life is going out, but we see holiness returning right here in this story. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, and I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. He was a tax collector, and he was robbing people blind. He was stealing from the poor. He had a fix in with Rome. He was was able to pay a flat fee back to Rome for his taxes and get Rome off of his back. And then he could go collect whatever whatever he could kill, he could eat. So Zacchaeus is a Jew living in the Holy Land, and he's working in in lockstep with Rome to rob the people, so he pays Rome off, and then he just gorges himself on the funds of the widows and the orphans and the poor in Jerusalem. And Jesus comes, and he finds him up in a tree, and he says, why don't you come on down? I'm going to your house today. And at the end of this dinner at Zacchaeus' house, he says, Lord, holiness has returned. If I've robbed anyone, I'll pay them back four times. And, and Lord, you, there's something about you. There's something beautiful about you. There's something convicting about you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And Zacchaeus is transformed. Life wins and holiness returns. And Isaiah told us this was coming. He said, he, the one that God raises up, he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. Pay attention to this this text. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. This is not God coming to slay the wicked, to slay the wicked. This is God coming to do a work of divine deforestation so that a shoot can come back out of that stump. And we see it here with Jesus. Jesus walks down the road and there's Zacchaeus who's been robbing people blind and he's hiding out in a sycamore tree and Jesus goes, get down here and look me in the eyes and let's go to your house and let's have a talk. And with the rod of Jesus' mouth, he slayed the wicked and Zacchaeus rose up and he went and made it right. Friends, this was a quick death and resurrection in Zacchaeus' life in one day. A divine deforestation and a shoot of life coming up, a shoot of holiness coming up, a shoot of honesty and humility, a shoot of generosity. He had been robbing people, and now here he is paying it back four times more. Jesus, with the rod of his mouth, slayed Zacchaeus, not to destroy him, but to to strike that down so that he could actually bear fruit. Friends, do you see this? Holiness returns. We see it with Saul. Saul, who's out persecuting Christians and, and, and all those followers of Jesus, he's making them pay and he's got papers and he's gonna, he's gonna go kill these Christians who are following Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Jesus finds him on a horse and he slays the wicked with the rod of his mouth. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And after three days, Saul is restored and he's renamed and he becomes Paul, the great apostle who would write two-thirds of the New Testament. With the breath of his mouth, with the rod of his mouth, Jesus slayed Saul and made him Paul. Holiness returned. Not long ago, I was out playing football with our baby Wakely. He's 10. He's our youngest. I'll call him my baby when he's 50. We're out in the front yard and we just got him these sticky gloves, you know, these OBJ. He, he wants to be the next OBJ, right? And, you know, holy, you know, but 
OBJ, you know, good hands. Um, and he's got these sticky gloves, and I'm throwing, throw it higher, Dad, make me go back, and uh, got a bit harder, Dad. And so we're throwing, we're throwing the football, and I'm trying to make him work, and, and we're having a great time, and I'm just kind of mindlessly numbing out after work and using my body just to, just to and, and out of nowhere, Wakely stops, and he's holding the ball. He goes, Dad, Dad, did, did you know that Jesus has a sword in his mouth? We're playing football. This is not a holy activity. We weren't praying in the spirit and interceding for the nations while we were playing catch. We, there, there was nothing holy. But were just dad and son, I'm after work. I'm just trying to get the cobwebs out of my soul. And, and Wakely stops and he holds the football. He goes, dad, do you know that Jesus has a sword in his mouth? And it stopped me in my tracks. Because some little 10-year-old kid, one teacher up here said something to him one night that got locked in Wakely's soul. And thank God for all of our teachers who are teaching our kids the word of God. (laughs) Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, it says, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nation. If you read the Bible wrong, you read this to say that God is against people and he's coming to destroy and he's happy about destroying. No, what he's trying to do is to destroy all the things that are destroying us. The word of Jesus comes forward and it is a divine deforestation. The sword comes racing at us and cuts away all the stuff that's leading us to destruction. Jesus is coming because he loves us, he has a sword in his mouth. Because he is the God of life, he must kill the things that are killing us. And and out of the breath of his mouth, he comes to destroy and to raise us up. And Isaiah said the same thing. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, and the nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. The nations will rally to him after he has done his work of cutting away after he has done that divine deforestation, after he has done that proper work of judgment, which is the love of God, (laughs) to judge the thing that is killing us, after he rips that away, the nations will rally to him, just like Zacchaeus did that day, and just like Saul did that day and became Paul, and just like Wakely understood that Jesus has a sword in his mouth, and that sword is because God loves us. Isaiah 11 tells us that even in the worst situation we could find ourselves in, even after our lives have been stripped back, even after there's been that divine deforestation, life will win. Out of the stump of Jesse, a shoot will come up, and out of the root, there will be life again. And friends, the second thing that Isaiah wants us to see is that when Jesus comes with that word that rattles us, that shakes us, that comes at us with God's love, holiness will return. Some of you are really struggling tonight because you've felt the sting of death. You have felt the cutting away. You have felt your life being pared back and reduced down to the stump. You have, you have been living in that. And I, I say to you tonight, just hang on a little longer. Let the God of life be the God of life for you. Hold on. Be patient. Let God do his work. And you will see soon enough that little sprout of, of, of life and joy and peace and kindness and friendship and renewal and something. God will not leave you in death. 
God will bring you back to life. And some of you, you've sensed that you needed to to get rid of some stuff. You needed to repent. You needed to say no to all those things that were strangulating the life. All those, all those moments where we take the story into our own hands. Tonight's a night to repent and let holiness return. Tonight's a night for us to come down out of the sycamore tree and look Jesus in the eyes. And let him take us for a meal. And by the end of that meal, we'll be going, you know what, Jesus, you've done a work in my heart. Let's make this thing right. Holiness is returning for many of us tonight. So would you stand with me, church? What I want us to do is to pray this prayer of confession. The saints of old have been praying and much of it has been lifted straight out of Psalm 51. A prayer where we're asking God for mercy. And repentance in the Bible is a joy word. It's a a life word. It's a return to life word. It's a resurrection word. It's a shoot coming up out of the stump kind of word, repentance. Lord, have mercy on me. And so would you quiet your hearts and close your eyes and before we pray corporately, would you just begin to do business with the Lord and let the Spirit speak to you about what you need to do to make it right, to to repent, to what do you need to get rid of? What do you need to turn away from? What attitudes do you need to give over to the Lord tonight? What fears do you need to give over to the Lord tonight? What anxieties do you need to give over to the Lord tonight? Maybe there are sins, patterns, behaviors that you need to give over to the Lord tonight and just say, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, we're asking for holiness to return. Would you just invite the spirit of holiness to wash you tonight? Lord, would you cleanse us to the depths of our being? Make us your pure and spotless bride. Make us your people that are clean. And now would you call on the God of life for every little pocket of darkness and death and deforestation, everything where you you just see how reduced your life has become. Would you you begin to just repent and say, Lord, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Bring me back to life. Church, let's pray this prayer of confession. It'll be up on the screen before we receive communion. Let's confess and ask God for mercy. Join me by praying this prayer, saying, Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name and all God's people said, amen. Would you get your communion elements ready to receive? If you don't have communion elements, raise your hand and our team's gonna come quickly through the room. Over here, thank you, Michelle. Several in the back. Over here, what's up, Mark? We'll wait just a minute till everyone gets served. Right here in the center. There we go, thank you. 
Thank you, Chris. Mark, over here, Linda, to your left. Right, right behind. There you go, boom. If you would open it up when you get your elements and take that little wafer out. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Would you break that wafer in your hands? And think, this is hours before he would carry that old rugged cross of Golgotha. He's, I mean, he's about to die. And Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it. And he says, I'll go to the tree so that you can be whole, that you can be free, that you can be healed, that you can be nourished. I'll, I'll suffer so that you can be well. I'll go without so that you can have more than enough. Jesus is going to hang on a tree to bring us back into the blessing of God. Where it went wrong at a tree, Jesus addresses it at a tree. And so tonight, remember that Jesus took the curse, that Jesus entered into the story, that Jesus was broken so that all of us could be made whole and be put back together tonight. And so friends, Jesus is for you. This is his body broken. You may receive tonight from the mercy of Jesus. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. Friends, we just repented. We just prayed, have mercy on me, O God. And so I'm here tonight to stand and declare to you the gospel proclamation that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You are clean, you are clean, you are clean, you are clean because God is for you. Can you say amen tonight, church? You may receive the cup of salvation. We're gonna sing this song, Where There Is No Way You Make A Way. And some of you who are living in the midst of that difficulty and desolation, I want us to sing this tonight with all of our faith. Let's worship the Lord as we receive. Where there-